You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hello, folks. Before we get too deep into this, I wanted to bring up just one thing real quick, and that is a question. I wondered if you liked free stuff. You like free guitar things? You like maybe free effects pedals? You like things like that? Well, if you do, you're in luck. You're already doing part of what you need to do to get in on some free gear. What am I talking about? Well, if you listen to a few episodes back, there was a special announcement around giveaways and free stuff and whatever. You can go there for all the deets, but the gist is, you listen to this podcast, you sign up for the Tone Mob newsletter, you answer the trivia question that comes out once a month, you're the first person to respond with the correct answer, you win whatever that month's prize is. And this month, the prize is a Mojo Hand Effects Colossus, which is a big, awesome, like, distortion wall of destruction fuzz thing. Uh, it's very awesome. And it has a has a lot of features. We won't get into all that. You can look it up if you want to. That's the prize this month. And if you're listening to this on the day this episode drops, then a few days later, sometime this week, newsletter subscribers are going to get a trivia question emailed to them. And the first person to respond with the correct answer, which is based on something from the podcast that um, that in the month that the question comes out, so one of the four episodes, they're going to win. They're going to win whatever the prize is. So make sure you go check out the special announcement for all the details and sign up for the newsletter, which if you just go to tonemob.com, there's a little tab that says join the mob. That's where you do it. Easy peasy. I email you once a week with show updates and things like that. And then once a month, we're giving away stuff. So make sure you check that out. That's the only way to get in is via the newsletter. I also must tell you about Gun Street Wiring Shop. Gun Street Wiring Shop. What in the world is that? Well, that is a company that upgrades the wiring harnesses in your guitars. So you've got you've got some axes laying around. Maybe you're getting getting a little bored with them. They're not they're not sparkling the way they used to. They're not cutting the mustard, so to speak. Well, this is an easy way to breathe in new life into some of your old guitars was by upgrading the electronics. And Sean and the team at Gun Street Wiring Shop are just the place to go. They have amazing customer service, amazing product, and if you don't see what they what you know if they got something. What am I trying to say? What am I trying to say? Stop it. What I'm saying is, if you don't see what you need on the website, you can email them and you can get the custom harness of your dreams. So maybe you want something real crazy. Maybe you want just a slight tweak to what they already offer. Email them. They will fix you up. Crazy, wild, mild, you know, normal, just upgraded. They've got you. GunStreetWiringShop.com. Check them out. And of course, I would be a complete buffoon if I did not tell you about Sinusoid. Sinusoid. Pro Audio Couture, which is a word that I'm still not entirely certain that I am fancy enough to say in public, but I say it here because that's what it says. And also, you might not know what that means. So, Sinusoid makes the finest instrument cables on the market. We all play guitar. 
We all play various instruments. We need to plug into our pedal boards. We need to plug into our amplifiers. We, we just we got to plug in. You can't plug in if you don't have a cable, especially if you don't have a cable that works. Guess what? Sinusoid guarantees their cables for 100 years. So any kind of cable you can think of. We got patch cables. We got speaker cables. We got mic cables. We got aux cables. So you, you want to crank some righteous jams in the car. Well, there you go. They've got a cable with a 100-year warranty, and it's made by the best people in the business. I mean, I can't say enough good things about the Soid Boys. Check them out at sinusoid.com and build the custom cable of your dreams. Do it. You, you turkey. My next guest here doesn't really need much of an introduction. Frank has played in a lot of bands, and a lot of you will know him from the band My Chemical Romance, which obviously... A lot of you listeners have heard of, because we talk about it in the Facebook group on a semi-regular basis. So Frank is a Frank is a true gentleman. We had an excellent chat, and I will not delay it any further by me blabbing. If you want to know more about him and his band, Google it. It's easy to find out. They were, uh, they were very influential for a lot of people. And the new stuff he is up to is just equally rad, so please, please do check it out, and we talk about it little more in depth in the episode but without further ado here's a excellent conversation with mr frank Eero. hello everyone welcome back to another episode of the tonemob.com podcast show about guitar tone and the people behind it i'm your host blake wyland and with me today i have frank Eero. From the future violence and my chemical romance. What's going on, man? <laughs> Nothing much, man. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate Dude, it. I'm so stoked about this. Me too. Me too. I appreciate you dealing with all of my technical uh, uh, abnormalities <laughs> to try to get it's, me on uh, the show. <laughs> hey, hey, it's uh, it's just one of those things. The internet is a wonderful, beautiful, awful thing sometimes, and we just gotta <laughs> embrace it with all its flaws and whatever else it comes with, you know? Agreed. Agreed. So, so yeah, thank you so much, man. This I, uh, is awesome. I'm, I'm psyched. I think, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. I get, I got good vibes. We're vibing good. <laughs> I, I, I feel, I feel like uh, this is going to be a juicy one in uh, all the right <laughs> ways, but I do have to, I do have to tell you something, which this might sound a little bit strange, but okay. you are the reason or a big part of the reason, I should say. I was set down a goal a long time ago of getting a white Les Paul. No way. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you were playing one in, I don't remember which video it was. Uh -huh. Probably, I can't remember which video it was, but um, oh, why can't I remember? I'll, it'll come to me. And uh -huh. you like smashed this, this white Les Paul, and I was like, you know what? That looks so rad. I don't want to smash <laughs> one, but I'd really like to own one. And then... It set me down this path for years of trying all these different like Les Paul customs. And I was starting to think that maybe I didn't like them. Like I was uh -huh. like, oh, maybe I mean, I play Les Pauls already, but like maybe I don't like the customs that well. I can never find one I liked until a couple years ago, found an 81 uh, Les Paul custom. And I just fell in love and I was like, yes, the dream is now a reality. <sighs> That's but so I'm not amazing. Smash this one. <laughs> it's, it's funny, man. Like I love that guitars 
have a soul. Like you can go out and 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 be like, oh, I really love the way that looks. But it, you know, it's almost like uh, you know, like when uh, like Harry Potter finds his wand kind of thing. Like you know what I mean? Like if it doesn't blow your hair back, it's never going to really work for you. You know what I mean? And there's some that that you have this relationship with that like uh, it's like a almost like a a bad relationship where you fight all the time. You know, and that just makes things like kind of hot and awesome. But then there's some that are just like butter that make, you know, they work as hard as you work. And when that, that comes together, it's like, I finally found it. Like, this is, this is my sword in the stone, you know? And, um, oh, dude. Yes. I I love it. So, like, there's a story. I don't know if this is true. I don't know. I, I, even if it's not true, uh, I don't care. I'm going to, we'll just say it's true and, and, and want to believe it because it's such a great story. But the story goes that Tom Waits went into a guitar shop, right? in Los Angeles area, something like that. And he walked in and I was like, Oh my God, that's Tom Waits. And he like went up to like this, like, you know, big wall of guitars and he picks this one up and he looks at it, you know, really stares at the headstock and turns it on its side, sniffs the, the, the fretboard, never plays it, puts it back, leaves. And like a week later comes back, goes beelines directly to the same guitar. Picks it up, you know, kind of, kind of like looks at the the headstock like in different ways, like turns it upside down. He uh, he smells like the the sound hole and everything, and and they're like, oh man, like he loves this guitar. What's going on? Couple weeks, right? Another time, he comes back in, does the same thing. Finally, the store clerk comes up and has like you know enough courage to say, uh, you know, Mister Wish, I'm, I'm a huge fan. Like, I, I see that you keep coming in to to play this guitar. Do you want to do you want to play this guitar? Do you want to you want to plug it in or something? And Tom looks at me and goes, nah, ain't got no songs left in it and leaves and never comes back. <laughs> oh, man, that that <laughs> seems like the most Tom Waits story ever. Right? <laughs> right? Doesn't it? Yeah, I know. But it's true. Like, there's certain things where I like to have um, a, a large variety because sometimes, you know, you pick up a, an instrument. And, and, and you, you try to write a song and it just doesn't work, but you can put that down and pick up something else that's maybe completely different. And all of a sudden it opens up a door, you play it in a different way. It makes you want to react, uh, differently and, and it opens your mind somehow that, you know, songs can come if you, if you just change the instrument sometimes. And, and that's huge for me. That's, that's the way I've always worked, you know, where it's like, ah, this, there's no songs in this one today. <laughs> That's a real thing. Like, I, I don't know, I really don't know, is. like, scientifically if it's provable, but there's, you know, too many people say the same thing. It's like, this one, this one has a story in it. This one has some songs in it. It's like, there, you pick it up and it's just, there is something special about one, even if it's not, like, fully quantifiable, I, I think. Oh, I totally, totally feel the same way. And I feel like it's a lot easier sometimes with, uh, with user vintage equipment that's, that's been, uh, kind of abused a little bit and, and, you know, has, has soaked up the sweat and a little bit of maybe that, uh, you know, that, uh, spirit of the previous players. But I, I found that too with, with brand new, uh, instruments where it's, and maybe it's the wood, maybe it's like the living, breathing, like the tree, you know, experience something along the way. There's some sort of, uh, uh, spiritual nature to like, you know, the forest it came from or something like that, you know, I don't know. Yeah, totally. But either totally. way, I, I, I only only love instruments that that have a personality, and uh, and that's so cool though that <laughs> that you went for for the white 
because I felt the same way. I think I think where my obsession with the White Last Paul came from, like early on, was seeing Pete uh, from the Bouncing Souls has a, or had a really really old uh, White Last Paul, and I was like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> the way right. it looked, and it was just like battered and 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 yellowed, you know. And mm, um, yes, and so when I when it was time to like you know. Uh, guitar companies would come and be like, "Hey, you know, would you like to play some guitars? We can we can help you out." That's what always was like, "Oh my god, yeah, yeah, send me a <laughs> send me a white less ball because I couldn't afford it before." <laughs> so that's that's where that came about. That's oh, that's awesome. That's yeah, it's the yellow. The yellowing is it, it's so good. Like mine is mine isn't white anymore. It's yellow. Like it, uh, mm-hmm. it nice. and I got it that way. I didn't I didn't create the yellow, but I. I just, uh, I don't know. It, that's that's one okay. of those ones. It just, <laughs> it just came to it. You know, either you you make it or inherit the yellow. That's what you need. You know, especially too. Eighty one's a great year. That's the year I was born. So I like instruments that were were also born the same year. Oh yeah, that makes sense. I still haven't I haven't pulled that off mm-hmm. yet. I've I've I need something from eighty eight, and I'm not really sure in eighty eight like what what kind of iconic or really it doesn't have to be iconic, I guess, but what super interesting instrument came out in eighty eight? I'm not really aware of anything yeah hmm. but like when those, was uh those the strat those those 80s strats oh like you know, the, you know the shredder about, ones right? the, the the strat yeah the shredder ones yeah mm, that's a good call maybe that's the direction i need to go <laughs> that it's a hard look to pull off though it's it really is i definitely don't I like have the then the immediately have to get it. new pants yeah i was gonna say i don't <laughs> yeah, i don't have the, the pants yeah. for it you, at yeah all. <laughs> You're like these are line this lime green shredder guitar. I don't know. It just doesn't go with my pants. <laughs> it was. It's kind of weird. I've had a, a weird thing with some of those pointy shredder guitars. Like I kind of want one, but I I almost universally hate the necks on them. I like bigger necks, and uh-huh. uh, I can't do the yeah. Shin, you're, the you're like the chunky neck. Yeah. I re- recently uh, came into uh, owning uh, a Nash Telly that I love, and it was actually pre owned. It was previously owned by. Uh, I'm my friend James Bowman, who plays guitar for a band called Against Me. Mm-hmm. And he made uh, this particular telly with a, a V-neck. So, like, it juts out in the back. You know, like, usually, like, you know, get those C's that have, like, a little bit of a, a little bit of an ass to them, like, a little bit of a butt, but there's something to hold on to. This one, like, almost comes to, uh, a, I guess, a, a point, you know, but it makes your hand do this cupping that, no other guitar I've ever played ha- has made me do that. And it is so wonderful for specific types of songs or like, like there's a song on this new record uh, that, that I'm going to be coming out with in about, uh, geez, about a month, a month and a week, but we don't, Oh wait, don't, I can't say that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we're, right, say we're that? announcing next week. Does that matter? It, it won't matter. Uh, what day out? are you announcing it next week? Uh, like the 21st, maybe the 21st. Uh, I could, uh, oh yeah, we'll be, we'll be good. I'll put, I'll send, I'll 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 sandwich another episode in between there and then we'll be totally (laughs) dialed. We'll be, we'll be perfect. All right, great. I'm not even going to edit that out. So we're good. (laughs) Nice. All right. So there's a song on this particular record that's coming out. Um, it's called the unfortunate. And, uh, it was like, it was a song that I had, I had written uh, acoustically um, months before I even thought about this record. 
and I was I thought maybe it would fit somehow in the world of my last record, but it just wasn't working. I couldn't I couldn't finalize it. You know, I needed a bridge and just needed more, and um, and I couldn't finish the song until this guitar came into my life, which is so weird. But uh, I'm going off on a tangent. But the the way that um, just holding the neck of this guitar uh, makes my hands the shape of my hand at that that moment it just made me go to um you know a, a different fingering of, of the chords and I actually ended up um capoing the song on the third fret I, I usually play I like things in in standard tuning but um a half step down so like I'm you know E flat mm -hmm. you know tuning but uh this is capoed at at the third fret and it just something about it just it, it, all the stars align kind of on this this song with that guitar, so but normally I feel like I like a thinner, flatter neck, um, but I like to have things around that totally throw me off my game with that. You know what I mean? So like I I normally wouldn't be like, oh yeah, I love like a like a fifties style uh, Les Paul Junior because that's like it's like a baseball bat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I would probably prefer like a 60s where it got a little bit thinner like i liked like the uh like the melody maker next next like those are a lot thinner to me and and, and i like that a little bit more gotcha gotcha well that's that's interesting you say that i've got i've got a melody maker here and i really like the neck on it and i forget how much of a and i don't know if they're all like this 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 one has a like quite a bit of a taper to it like it kind of starts mm -hmm. out on the on the thin side, but it gets really fat towards you know the twelfth fret. Towards the okay, all right, yeah. You know what? I got mine kicking around here too somewhere. Let me pull it out. Nice. Ugh. My father in law and I recently um, built this huge shelf in my uh, my basement studio, mm -hmm. and um, it's just to like kind of put all the cases up and everything like that. I hate having them on the floor and all that stuff, and I try to my best to uh to uh keep them in in somewhat of an order yeah there is a bit of a taper you know um but i don't feel like it gets as fat as say like one of those 50s you yeah know? yeah like even the reissue was like too, it's just too much man i don't know if my hands aren't big enough for that that type of guitar but yeah i don't know i i see i i should not like I should not like big necks, but I do. Uh, I have short mm -hmm. little stubby fingers, but for some reason, I like these right. big, these big fatty necks. And I don't know, I don't know what it is about it. It doesn't make any like physical sense at all. But I tried to play this uh, right. Hegstrom one time, like this '66 Hegstrom or something, and that had the skinniest oh, wow. neck uh -huh. on it in the world. Like I don't know how any adult male like plays it, and obviously they do. Like, I'm, but like, like right. I don't know how somebody could get their hands squished down like that. Maybe it's just a a technique thing. I'm not sure. It feels like like playing like a ukulele or something. It felt like I was playing a pencil. It was like it was just too much for me to <laughs> to manage. I hear you. I have I have a Hagstrom uh, Viking that I like because it reminds me of my casino, but. I, I've never played like um like those Pat Schmier like old school ones like from when you used to play in the germs. Like I haven't really touched any of those. And but they look so cool. They do. You know? They look amazing. They all look they all look like they've been in that in the clubs, basically, for, <laughs> for until for 
what, 20, 30 years. <laughs> they look like they've been bartending, basically. <laughs> they probably have. That's They probably all have. That's that's the story with them. That's where they get their magic. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so you seem to have, you have a thing for kind of like a little bit, uh, uh, I don't know. You seem to have an eye for, a similar eye for guitars that I do, at least aesthetically. Um and I, there mm-hmm. was a good question that just came up in in the Facebook group that I thought you you might like. A uh, uh, Blake Lawson okay. asks. Uh, he's like he was like, what drew you to the Epiphone Wilshire? Oh well, a few things to be honest. Um, one, I liked that the I felt like the the body of the Les Pauls that I was playing, like the Epiphone. I, I was playing like these Epiphone. Um, I think they were called, not ultras, but uh, uh, elitist series Les Paul. So they were like real heavy wood, and and I felt like for for a long time I was I was stringing those with like thirteens, and okay. and I had it just it, it was so much tension and such a heavy guitar, and uh, and I really thought well there's the only way I can get the tone that I want is to have this huge like almost like albatross like around you know strapped to me. You know, and then I I found the the Wilshire, and I think um, I had I had been in a showroom somewhere, and they had one hanging up, and I was like, "What the heck is this?" I picked it up, and it just had this big tone, and it was like carrying around like a, a, like an an air book. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was, right. It was so light, dude. It was so light, and and it just felt. I, I liked that it was closer to the body. Also, too, like I'm, I'm a smaller guy. Like I'm, I have a small frame. Uh, I can't play like you know huge hollow body guitars or I think they, they just look ridiculous. I mean, and it's hard for me to like you know wrap my arms around this thing because uh, you know I'm a five five six basically, and I you know I, again like you, I don't have like these long spindly fingers or anything like that. So I, I liked something that was more scaled to to my body type and the fact that I didn't have to carry around a 12 pound guitar, like that was awesome, you know, um, and didn't have to lose tone. So, uh, when I first picked that up, I was like, Oh man. And, um, and Epiphone had come to me and was like, you know, what would you think about making your own? Uh, because we had been in talks about how, like, I was like, I really love this guitar, the, the Les Paul and, but I, it just, it's killing my back and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling well <laughs> after playing for hours and hours and hours. Uh, so they they had sent me that sent me an ultra, which is was their Les Paul that was like you know kind of um, streamlined and a little bit lighter, and it was nice. But the Wilshire just it was one of those things where it was I fell in love immediately. But I did want to make a few tweaks to it uh, in order to kind of make it my own. And um, and when you know they were they were open to those ideas, we we, we ended up making the Phantomatic, uh, which is you know a, a version of the Wilshire, and I it's still my go to guitars. I have there's like a few in the arsenal that um, I know if I'm say I'm going to a session or if I'm going on tour something like they need to come, you know, uh, and the Wilshire's just always there, man. Like the Phantomatics are, I, I love the guitar so much, even if I didn't have a hand in making it. I think I would I would still play them almost exclusively. You know, there's there's certain things where you know sometimes that you you feel like you want like a single coil or a P90 or something like that, but you know, different tones for different things. 
but the it's so versatile and it's so easy to play. Like it, it's definitely one of those things that is just tailor made to to my playing style and, and my body type. Yeah, that's uh, that makes a lot of sense, and I think. I think I remember watching the the video. I, you're gonna. This is funny. This is a this is a trip down memory lane for me. I remember when that when that first came out, and I was like, "What's what's a Wilshire?" Like I thought Epiphone just made Gibson mm-hmm. copies. What's this? And that like is what led me down <laughs> yeah. to finding uh, that Epiphone had a whole bunch of original things, and actually like researched the history of Epiphone as a company. Uh, you know. Yeah, for, and for, those are some of my favorite uh, Epiphone guitars. Like. The Wilshire, the Coronet, of course, you know, like the, uh, a junior version. The uh, the ET two seventy, like these were they were great instruments, you totally. know. And, and there was like um, an originality to them, you know, that you, you can't deny. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I I think they they do are they're special, and I like I like the old Epiphone headstocks too. Like the just the history of the company is so fascinating, really. Yeah. Um, and just that's the one thing is that I did shy away from that old Batwing, but mm-hmm. only because for me it was it was just about one. Um, I wanted to ensure that uh, since we weren't making left hand versions, it was real easy to to just string upside down. And then two, um, I like a, a, to be able to like really quickly on stage be able to know where I'm at tuning wise. And that, you know, splitting them was was like, oh, in the dark, I know the, I got three here, three here. I'm good. <laughs> and then also to, uh, to ensure that uh, it would be weighted correctly and not give you that, that dip, you know, if you wanted to change out uh, the, uh, the tuning pegs, which I, I like the vintage tuners. That's just something that I like. But if sometimes you want to put like a real heavy, you know, like, maybe a Grover or like, you know, like a, one of those real chunky um, metal ones. Like that'll kind of, I feel like if the bat wings will dip more on me than, than say like the split headstocks. I could see that. Cause it kind of, it goes out there and it's extending in length. And so a little more maybe. leverage up top. I don't know. Maybe I'm making something. That up, but. I don't know. I may, I, or maybe it's in my head, but I, every, like the guitars that I've had, um, that were evenly balanced were uh, were splits. And I wonder if that has to do with you know what you start playing because I I started out playing Les Pauls and so I way prefer mm. like you do the three and three and I think it's way easier to find you know with my eyes closed than it is on a six in line. Um, and and I've heard the totally exact agree. opposite argument from people who started out playing a six in line. I started on a strat. <laughs> oh, is that the like, yeah. oh, it's so much easier to just tune on this. I, I don't fumble around. I feel exactly the opposite. Like, no, three and threes are way easier for me. And that's you know, yeah. what mostly I have. Yeah. That's what mostly I have. Yeah. I, that, you know, it's, it's, it's just a little bit, it's that extra have to look over thing. And it, maybe it costs like a second or a second and a half, but that second and a half is real, real precious when you're, when you're on stage in the dark, you know, waiting for like a, a cue to start a song or like, or some sort of like pyro thing or anything that was, that's happening. You know, that second could be your ass. <laughs> <laughs> it could be the end of the show as you, as you know it, who knows? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So other than guitars, like where do you, where do you sit with, I mean, maybe actually a good, uh, a better place to go would be like, how did your gear kind of change over the years and, you know, what has led you to kind of the setup that you're using now? Well, that's a good question. Um, 
I started out with at a necessity, you know, my, I think my first, uh, amp setup was probably an old PA. <laughs> uh, I think it was actually a coral, uh, an old coral PA head, uh, mixed through, you know, whatever speakers I had at the time. And then of course it moved to like, uh, I inherited some sort of bass combo amp. Um, and, and then was like, oh, uh, we'll put a metal zone through this. That's the ultimate tone. There you go. <laughs> right. Uh, when I actually started to get into bands, um, it was, all right, let me, I need to get, uh, I needed a dual channel. I wanted a dual channel. So I, I moved to, uh, the Marshall 900s, which I liked. Um, and then, uh, as the, as we progressed a little bit more and wanted a differentiate in, in, in tone, I had uh, a couple of oranges that I really enjoyed. Now where I'm at though, um, I, I, for my touring rig, I like to uh, to split. Uh, I do uh, like a right now. What is this uh, box I'm using? I, I'm using like a the radial slingshot ABY box. Okay, yeah. And I send my my signal through to. Uh, I have a, a Supro Blackmagic uh, combo and the matching extension cab, which I love. And then I'll send another channel through to like uh, just a Fender Twin Reverb, you know, sixty five reissue kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that, see, in in my uh, experience, has really complemented each other. You know, uh, giving you a little bit more of the low end where you need it, and a little bit more shimmer um, on the other side. So uh, that's that's been my my touring rig. Uh, when I get to bigger venues, I still keep the Supro, um, but I have been I have this old Sun cabinet that I, I love just a four by 12, um, like 1990s sun that's been with me forever. And I recently picked up, um, the, it's a music man head. Um, let's see, it's a, I just want to make sure I get the model right. And cause I used it for, um, so much for this record. It's, uh, the HD 130. Okay. Is this one and of the new ones or is it one of the older ones? No. Yeah, this is older. Uh, I found it on like one of those, like, like a Craigslist ad and just I fell in love. Honestly. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful amp and it screams. So I was using that, um, mixed with, uh, I have a, a Fender Tone Master that I really like. So I would mix those two together for a lot of, t- um, of the distorted tones. Um, my favorite distortion, like, like for your, you know, uh, n- not like a specialty distortion, but like your, your main tone distortion mm-hmm. is I love, uh, the boss blues driver, uh, with a Keeley mod on it. Nice. And, um, I use that through the tone master and the, and the, and the music man kind of like mix that together a little bit. Like I have like one of those like, you know, boss line selectors and kind of like shape your tone. And I'd throw like, um, I have like a, an, an older fender reverb tank that I'd kind of throw in front of that. Nice. So that's, and if that's I want to get real soupy, a oh, holy yeah. grail. <laughs> oh, there you go. Not so not yeah. much in the way of pedals. I, for some reason I, I had you pegged as a pedal guy, even though I've never seen any evidence of that being the case. I just thought in my head, well, he's probably into pedals too. 
but uh, not, not I am. so much. <laughs> oh, you are. No, oh, no, you no, are. no. Oh, I am. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> Tell me but more. Those are like as far as like. Yeah. Well. All right. So, I I love that. If you're just talking like like a main for your main tone, right? Um, mm-hmm. I like to throw a little bit of chorus on my distorted tone. From time to time, it gives you that. Um, certain, for certain songs, it, it has like a bouncy nature. You know what I mean? It doesn't hollow it out. I don't know how to describe it, but I, it 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 really walks the fine line of like this weird digital, uh, uh, almost waviness. You know mm-hmm. that I, I like to hear on certain songs, especially on leads. Um, and then I've been using this full tone fat boost, uh, the FB three. And I think it's, I think it's awesome. It's a great pedal. You can, uh, kind of add in bass and treble as, as needed. Uh, there's a little bit of a drive to it, but you can really, you know, boost your volume with it and it doesn't color the, the sound more than you need it to. That makes sense. It does. So if you feel like you're, um, you know, in need of just, I just want a little bit more warmth to this, but I don't want to change, you know, the overall tone of it. You you can throw this, this pedal on and it's really helpful. Uh, so that's going on my board for this, this next, uh, tour. Um, other than that, uh, I like the micro pog, uh, for certain leads. You're going to hear a lot of that on the new record. Um, OCD is always something to have, you know, for, for solos and things like that. Um, I love the, the Holy grail for my, for any extra reverb. I used, uh, a lot of the, uh, the earthquaker stuff for some specialty tones. Um, the afterneath and ghost echo. Mm, yes. Um, they have a new pedal, the aqueduct that I used a little bit on, uh, the new record. I like that a lot. There's, uh, also the fuzz Rocious stuff is unreal. Like, my man. That my 420 man fuzz. Yes. Dude. On real, the 420 fuzz might be my favorite uh, new distortion that's that's come out in you know the past ten years. It's cr- it's crazy, and I love that it, it has that gated uh, breakup to it. it. It's fantastic. I so I, I love them. Uh, I, I, those, those are my go tos. Yeah, the uh, the I have, I have so much love for the fuzz Rocious family over here. I just. Ryan's one of my favorite people and his pedals are awesome. So great to work with too, man. And I love that it's a family company and they just, you know, they do great things. Seriously. Mm-hmm. He, he makes fantastic stuff. I, I have a, a lot of his stuff and it's all over the record. Um, uh, you know, the gray stash is on there. Uh, I think there's some demon on there and um, there might be even a uh, cat king and a moth on there as well at, at certain moments. Um, we use them on bass too. And they work. It, that's that's a great thing about about his, uh, his his pedals. They they work for both guitar and and for bass. You know, the, you don't lose that low end, which you you do a lot on a lot of different. Uh, you know, uh, say like overdrives by different companies and stuff like that. You know, lose that um, that underneath. You know. Yep. And and you don't with with Fuzzrocious. Seriously. Well, yeah, Ryan. He's a he's primarily a bass player by you know as far as background goes. So that's always something that he has tried to pay attention to and make things work for, mm-hmm. you know, what he does as well. So it's a yeah, and great people. Well, he nailed it. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah. You know, uh, some people like go for that and, and you're like, Oh, well, yeah. All right. <laughs> but right. but like, he, yeah, he, he nailed it. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, oh, you also have a Kyber, a... right? You, I do. You I, yes, up? the Kyber too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I think that pedal is awesome. I love having a little bit of a, like a tremolo effect. That's how we got talking in the first place. That's right. That's what I remember. Exactly. <laughs> Here's the thing. Even in, even if it wasn't a great pedal, which it is a great pedal, you have a light up lightsaber on there. I'm I'm in. <laughs> well, it's. A, I but mean, then you add, like, it's a laser sword. I don't know if it's necessarily a lightsaber. Oh, oh that's right. Yes, that's, a, that's a laser sword. That's a, right. Yeah, I would never, <laughs> never want to incur the wrath. <laughs> no. Yes. Please don't. <laughs> so that's Thanks. what I. That. Yeah. Well, anytime there's a laser sword involved, but also it's a it's a fantastic distortion, and I love the glitch effect. Um. It's it's just it works so well with so many things, and that actually makes an appearance on the on the record as well. So uh, it's a, it's a fantastic pedal. I love the glitch effect. Um, I, I love adding uh, a little bit of tremolo to uh, to distortions, and you guys really nailed um, you, Ed too. You know, Ed Chu did a great job, like adding in that glitch, and and uh, it, it feels versatile the way that you can uh, dial that in and. Uh, it's a great looking pedal too. <laughs> I mean, I mean it's all it's all Ed. Work. We just had like the general concept. It's all it's all Ed. Ed's uh, the man. Nice. Ed over at Rod Iron for people who are wondering what we're talking about. Rod Iron effects. Ed Chu is amazing, and he's been on the oh, show yeah. before. So, oh nice, um, very yeah. cool. So what the, what pedals were you using back in the day? Like when you kind of first got going, or when you were first touring around? So when I first started, <laughs> when I first started. Um, it was a lot of, uh, uh, boss effects. Um, the, uh, the tremolo, uh, which I still have on my board, uh, super chorus, uh, some flange was in there, uh, for specialty tones. Um, and I had, uh, the, the pie big muff, uh, on the board. Okay. Yeah. And then I moved over to the way huge effects and I like the, uh, the swollen pickle. A lot. I felt like uh, I could get a little bit more diversity on on uh, on on it tone wise. Um, and um, let's see, what else was I using back then? Um, oh, I have um, this like an old old fuzz face that my dad had given me uh, that I still love to use, but I don't tour with anymore. And that's just because uh, it's, you know, it's so old that it doesn't hold up all the time. Sometimes it wants to work and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel you. And plus, <laughs> you know, it's kind of special. You don't want to lose that out on, on the road somehow. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right. Here's a question. Here's okay. a question. Um, and, and if you can answer this for me, this would be so helpful. But how come I can't find replacement parts like, like those little uh, screw um, for the edges of like the boss pedals that like that clamp them down. Uh-huh. You know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh. That little black screw and the grommets that go inside. I've had to Frankenstein so many pedals just trying to like put like you know new shields on and and, and steal like those those little things. I don't know what what would you call them like I guess little hand screws for for years. Do you know anybody that makes them? <laughs> Uh, no, I don't know anybody that, that like just makes direct replacements, but I do know some people at boss 
and I'm sure that they you know do. where to get them. Yes. <laughs> you would think. I feel like this is, I mean, this is like a $10 idea. Yeah, because everyone knows that the most important thing is that the tone is in the screws. Yeah, well, <laughs> here's the thing. If you can't turn it on, <laughs> then yeah, it is, apparently. That's it's a like very valid a, point. You know, it's like having a car and it's like, oh, this is the best car ever, but the steering wheel is held on by uh, old gum. <laughs> yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, all right, well, can I get more old gum? They're like, oh, no, you can't get new old gum. You have to. No, no. You just have to buy a new car. <laughs> yeah. And the, by the way, this, this same new car also is held together with old gum. Oh, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. We haven't changed anything. <laughs> but, but you have to get a new one. <laughs> that's, that's where we're well. at. Well, you know what? I'll 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 put some feelers out and I'll see if I can't get a supply of extra boss pedal side screw things sent to your way. Oh man. Yeah, we'll seriously, what, that's we'll what we can do. Unreal. It actually it happened again with me because like, you know, I'm uh because I'm 37 years old and I have a uh, a family and a wife and and a house and my cabinet doors in my kitchen are um all held together with like this hinge that is a very nice hinge. It seems very workable to me. But the thing about it is there's a small plastic piece inside that when that snaps off, the door just opens up automatically at all times. <laughs> and it's like, so can, mm. you, can you replace this? No, you just have to buy new hinges, but you have to buy like a hundred of them. <laughs> it's like, yes. It, that's, it's just a, a reoccurring thing that happens in my life, <laughs> which they, I find they, funny. They always <laughs> know how to get you. They're they're always yeah. coming for your coming for your wallet somehow. And you have to order the hinges from Boss. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, no. What? <laughs> I, uh, they got their hands in the, all the things. <laughs> uh, the Roland, the old Roland overlords. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cabinet yeah. doors and everything. <laughs> I have a no, I have a, I've told this story on the podcast before, I think. I can't remember. I talk on the internet a lot and I can never remember where I've talked to who. But you might get a kick out of the fact that I accidentally tried to steal Yoshi's Uber. Uh, Yoshi being the president of Boss. Really? Am. Yeah, we were at a, a, a get together for a bunch of pedal builders and stuff. And and we both called an Uber and we're like, oh, there's our Uber. It's a black Toyota Corolla. And we just walked up and like started getting in. And some guy comes out. He's like, no, 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 no. That's my car. And it was just some guy I didn't recognize. And then... <laughs> And then, like, by, right behind him was Yoshi, who I did recognize and had talked to a little bit. I was like, oh, sorry, Yoshi-san, I didn't mean to steal your Uber. Like, that was, the, <laughs> we were, like, climbing in and everything. And then, like, a couple minutes later, ours arrived, which was also a black Toyota Corolla. So, oh. Check that's... the license plate on your Uber, uh, everyone. Yeah. Or, unless you like being kidnapped, also, because that happens, I think. Oh, geez. A similar thing really? happened to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There, there was, like, a thing happening. Um recently where uh people were were hacked into an app i don't know if it was specifically uber of course or if it was like you know lyft or one of those rideshare programs but they were hacking in finding out you know if it was like a uh a girl or a guy that was requesting the car what their age somehow through this app and then uh sending you know like a dummy car to pick them up and then like kidnapping them and like you know taking them into different uh, really like scary places and stuff like that. Yeah, it was like really messed up. Like that was happening for a while. But 
a similar thing, not to the being kidnapped, <laughs> but stealing somebody else's stuff <laughs> happened to me yesterday where I have this thing where um, <laughs> if I order food um, or, or things, I always, uh, if I like go get coffee at Starbucks, I always give the same, I give, I, I say that I'm Steve um, because okay. I don't, I've never met anyone else named Steve, but I know it's a common name, but at the same time, like I, I've never met these Steves. So that's just the name I always give. Because for, for some reason, nobody can understand when I say Frank, they always put Brian, and then I get confused. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, what? Yeah, I don't know. It's really weird. Brian? It's, 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 I, yeah. Somehow, whenever I say, uh, they, they go, oh, what's your name? I go, oh, Frank. And they go, like, oh, Brian. And they put it in, and then they call Brian, and I don't know who Brian is. So, But when I say Steve, they always know it's Steve. So I just go with Steve. And, uh, and so yesterday I, I went and, and ordered food. My, my wife and I, we were going to smuggle food into, uh, the movies. And of so course. like you do. Uh, and, and so I was like, uh, the, yes, uh, for Steve, please. And she's like, okay, great. And then the food got ready and she's like, um, they called Steve. Uh, I have two Steves. And then I was like, oh my God. And then the other Steve came up and he was like, uh, what did you order? And I was like, what did you order, Steve? And I was like, it was like, it was such a weird moment where I finally <laughs> met the other Steve and we had to like dig through each other's meals to like, it was really, it was, anyway, it was probably nothing like what happened to you, but it was very strange to me. <laughs> it's actually very similar. It, I could see that, but yes. like, that is a, what a way to meet a Steve. And he was a black a Toyota. So, all right. No. <laughs> oh, just, it wasn't even a guy. It was a black yeah, Toyota you know, named crazy. Steve. Yeah. Weird. That's, that's funny. So what did you did did you like track that Steve down and did you ask him like hey is your name really Steve cuz mine's not I kind of wanted to but at the same time we were late for the movie <laughs> Okay well <laughs> yeah but I you know he he looked like a badass I was like oh all right I guess Steves are badasses perfect I'm still oh, You don't want to mess you don't want to mess with <laughs> You the don't want to mess with the Steve yeah No unless it's good You never know I would mess with Steve Gutenberg a little bit to be honest <laughs> I feel I like actually, like we could hang Feel like a couple of years ago, I saw a picture of Steve Gutenberg, and he got jacked like carrot top. Like those For dudes real? are huge now. Yeah, it's kind of scary. I didn't know Steve Gutenberg was hitting the iron. I, th- this is just from a photo that I've seen, but I think it's like you know, like these people that like were kind of like you know picked on or jokes, even though they were like really really popular, they became like the butts of jokes, and I feel like they took that on and like went to like a UFC gym, and now they're huge, and you don't want to make fun of them. <laughs> I mean, that's one way to go about it. Like you can't, uh, <laughs> I mean, everyone's like, oh yeah, carrot top. Look at his prop humor. And, it, and he just chokes you out. Like exactly. Want, yeah. You don't want to be on the receiving end of carrot tops, you know, mm-hmm. like, and he actually has like them. pieces of cauliflower taped to his head. Cause he has cauliflower ears and you're like, oh no. And that's the first thing. That's the last thing you see before you black out. <laughs> it sounds like <laughs> you got a lot of things that go through that head of yours. Don't you? <laughs> This is amazing. I, I knew this was going to be a good conversation. <laughs> um, I'm, gonna, I'm going back to that Facebook thread to see if anybody's saying anything that's not nonsense. Let's go in here. Um, uh, here we go. Let's see. Oh, okay. This is kind of interesting. I'll try to paraphrase some of this. Um, okay. Tyler Aldridge, he wants to know, he's like, coming from a band like uh, MCR and like kind of doing your own thing, do you try to kind of embrace that that was like your old project or do you try to really separate them or how do you how do you kind of process that um 
Well, I think it's it's weird. Like, I think that it only gets to be an obstacle when people like compare and contrast projects, like musically, you know. And I I think that that's hard to do when um, when you start uh, you start things that sound so different, you know. But um, yeah, it's nothing that I've ever shied away from. And also, too, I feel like even when I was doing my camp, like I've always here's the thing: I've always been in band. Like I've always started bands. You know, I've always done side projects and and different things. I very rarely say no. Like when when something comes up that sounds really interesting to me and feels like a challenge, I immediately say yes, whether I have the time to do it or not. Uh, so I have I. Did a band called Leathermouth while my chem was together. I uh, did some stuff with Reggie in the Full Effect. Um, yeah, I've just always done it, you know. So when my chem ended, I just immediately started writing songs. And then I did a, a band called Death Spells with uh, my friend James. And then I had this record, and and I went out on tour, and it was just like, I guess this this is just what I do, you know. Um, so I never felt like I had to separate. It was just like you know, all right, this is one chapter, this is another, and one kind of, you know, although some might have similar members or um, have similarities because, you know, the you came from all of these these things, they just, they're not connected, you know? Does that make sense? It totally does. Yeah, it definitely does. You try to yeah. treat each project as its own entity, you know, yeah. and give it its own Never life. ever did I want to use, like, one project as a springboard for anything else. Like I never felt like just cause you did this doesn't mean that this project doesn't have to start from ground zero and build itself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that never made sense to me. So I was always like, all right, well you just get to, it's like, um, it's a lot like monopoly. You buy like a new property and you immediately have to like, you know, start building there. You have to buy all of them and then put houses and then hotels just cause you have hotels on one of them doesn't mean that you can, you know, immediately buy Baltic and put a hotel on it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> doesn't work that way. <laughs> so No, I got you. Uh, yeah, I just always felt like, you know, this is, ever since I was a little kid, I just wanted to be in bands and write songs and, and do that. And I'll do it to the day I die until, you know, I physically can't do it anymore. And uh, it's, you know, it's one of those things that's like, it's like breathing. I, I have to do it. Have to. I I do understand that. Like, I, music is a really, it's a really powerful thing, and it impacts a lot of people. And I'm sure you've seen, I mean, you've seen the pretty extreme ends of that, of like how many people it can reach and uh, impact in different ways. And have you have you ever had any like moments where some people reached out to you and told you things? That it was just kind of like, whoa, like I didn't, oh. you know, we're just writing songs here, like, you know, yeah, I, or you know, anything like that. Absolutely. Um, it, it's, it's, it's pretty spectacular when things like that happen or like, you know, you, you get to travel to a country that you never thought you'd ever see, let alone get to play. And then there's, you know, hundreds or, or thousands or, or even five people there that don't speak your language, but know the words to your song and have an experience related to that song that you wrote in your basement back in New Jersey. Like that. That's the stuff that they they write movies about or write you know novels about. Like that's not stuff that happens in real life, but in fact it does. And it every time it happens, 
it blows my mind. It's total dream come true. Yeah, that's a that's more than more than you could ask for, especially you know when you were starting out as a little kid. Actually, I don't you know I don't really know your story. Like, how did you get like really started? That's normally where I I lead with questions on this show, but we went we went somewhere else. So like when you were, when, <laughs> we how did you get Carrot started Top. with music? <laughs> yeah, we went to Carrot Top first. We had to get to Carrot Top and Steve G before yeah. we could uh, get to the really heavy stuff. Uh, well, for me, my, my dad was a drummer and my grandfather was a drummer and um, they just always played. So when, um, you know, on the weekends when I would visit them, it was just talking about gigs and guys that they played with and, this or that, and at night I would either go see my dad play, um, at like you know a bar or, or, or wherever he was playing. I mean, sometimes he would do shows like at the Trenton War Memorial with BB uh, King and Robert Cray, and sometimes he'd be playing like the local haunt, you know, blues club. Uh, if I wasn't allowed to go with my dad because of whatever, I would go with my grandfather, and he would play uh, Dixieland um, jazz quartet at um, an old speakeasy in South Jersey. And so I was just always around it, you know? And if I got to stay up really, really late, <laughs> I could then go, if I was with my grandpa, I would go to the, the diner with the band afterwards. And I became like this mascot kind of thing where, you know, like he's with the band, even, you know, like they would say, like, oh, no, he's just like, he's, he's not underage, he's just really small <laughs> kind of thing, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I like put a fedora on my head or whatever and sunglasses and I would just hang out. So I started that way. And then I just knew I, I wanted to be, I wanted to be in a band. I wanted to play shows. I wanted to, I wanted to have that date book that my dad and my grandfather had. I wanted to have these stories uh, that I heard at the dinner table, you know? Um, I just, I wanted to affect people. And so I went through instruments. I, I you know, I played a little piano, um, I uh, tried to play saxophone, I played drums, uh, and then eventually I found the guitar and realized that I could really, you know, this was something that could be mine, that, um, you know, my dad and my grandfather didn't do it, I didn't have to live up to the level that they were at, but I could do it on my own, and I could write songs with it. And so I started playing um, guitar, I taught myself a couple of chords, and then as soon as I knew, like, three chords, I wrote a song. You know what I mean? And then I try to learn another song and or learn learn another chord and I'd write another song. It sounded just like the other one, but it had a new chord in it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. And I just kept doing that, doing that, and doing it. And then um I turned eleven. Um and I met this kid on my baseball team who also played guitar, but he knew that I kind of played drums, so we started a band. And um and that was it. I I was hooked. Um eventually uh, I was thirteen. Got into high school. There was a senior there. His name was John McGuire, who I'm still friends with to this day. And uh, he was like, hey, I heard you play guitar. I said, yeah. He's like, well, I'm coming over to your house uh, later tonight and to see if you can really play guitar. <laughs> so he came over. Um, he was like, oh, you know chords and stuff. I was like, yeah, I, I know like four of them. He's like, all right, well, we're in a band together. And in a month, we got a show. And so I played my first show as a freshman um, at, at the high school, but I wasn't, it was like a junior ring dance thing. So I wasn't old enough to stay, but I could play the show. And, uh, and that was it. I was like, this is, this is my life. I'm going on tour. I'm, I don't care about school. Like, I'm, I'm in. I played my first show. I'm a professional and, <laughs> and I'm going. And I just, you know, that was it, man. I just started bands. Um, and, uh, 
you know, I ended up playing a lot of, like, you know, punk bands as a kid. Um, played with the Casualties uh, and, you know, all the, all the local, you know, like, punk rock bands or whatever. Like, put on, I, I figured out that I could put on shows and book my favorite bands, and then I could play with my favorite bands. <laughs> so I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> That's not bad. You know? That's yeah. cool. Do that kind of stuff. Went on shows at, like, you know, local VFWs and, and things of that nature. And then um, I eventually... I uh, started a band called uh, Pensy Prep with that that guy John McGuire from my high school. Years and years later, we signed to um, to Eyeball and um, we put out a record. And then um, eventually, my chem came around and um, we had a studio. They we shared the studio together. Pensy broke up. My chem asked me to join. We made a record, and then I've been touring ever since. <laughs> and the rest, <laughs> as they say is history as they say is yeah um, is history yeah 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 so and you know i don't know i'm sure i'm sure you're aware of it but um coming from it from my perspective as as a, a listener and a fan of the band um are you like it comes up pretty regularly in the forums and the facebook groups that i i run in that like it'll be like once every six months people are like hey do you guys know that the black parade is one of the best records of all time and uh, <laughs> people, people are all either like, yes, definitely. Or like, no way, no way. Right. But it's like definitely a thing. Like uh, it's, it's definitely a thing amongst the age group and demographic that, uh, ha- you know, that is my age group and demographic, I suppose. Like, I think it's one of the greatest records. It was certainly formative for me and gave me like a, as a punk rock kid, it gave me an appreciation for uh, a more of a, an appreciation for classic rock and like oh, led me to I'm go glad. back and, you know, check out more queen and things like that. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. But was that, was that a, like an intentional thing or, or did you guys realize what you were doing when you were doing that? Or did it just kind of happen? Um, no, it, it, it was, it was, well, here's, here's the thing. I think it was intentional in that we knew that where we were going, we were headed. Um, well, at least we thought wasn't going to be uh, understood or appreciated by where we had come from. And there was this crossroads where we were like, all right, listen, we can, you know, we, we made a record that people like that more than more people than we ever thought could ever like our band like, you know, and we want to do this. We want to go farther with it because we don't fit in anywhere else. So we might as well just, you know, make the record that we've always wanted to make. And, um, and then it's like, all right, well, in doing that, you run the risk of totally alienating all these these people that have just found out about your band, you know? And that's a hard decision. It's like, oh man, like, do you play it safe? Do you write the record that you think everybody wants you to make? Or do you just say, we never thought we would have this opportunity, so we're just going to do what we want to do. And the worst comes to worst, we can tell our grandkids that we, we rolled the dice and we, we just, we did it, you know? And, uh, and that's what we did. We're like, hey man, we got one shot at this, so we're going to go completely nuts and 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 make a crazy record mm-hmm. that references all the places that we came from, all the things that influenced us, all the bands that um, you know were flamboyant and and took the risks and made these crazy um, imaginative records that people just aren't doing anymore, and so. Uh, we met Rob Cavallo. We explained what we wanted to do. 
we had these songs and um he was he 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 basically he he you know gave us the confidence that we could pull this off you know that yeah even though you know people might not understand it they might not like it go for it and um and that that's what we did man and when i started to hear these you know these songs come to life like become real boys like basically like through yeah. the speakers you know it was like one of those things where like oh man like yeah people are going to hate this they might hate this but i don't care you know like this is this You're is like, everything you've ever it. wanted to try yeah. yeah you know and i was like here's the thing people tend or at least at that time right i felt like people tend to hate what's different you know that that's just that's the way things go. They get scared of it. They don't know how to, they don't, they don't understand it. And, and so the immediate reaction is I hate it, <laughs> you know? Yes. I was yes. like, but you have to understand like, this is our, our third record, but really like, you know, like you're trying to, you got big. So like, it's really thought of as your so like the sophomore slump. I was like, so if people are going to hate it anyway, you know, whether you do the record that they want to hear or not, like we might as well just make the record we want to hear. And that's, that, that was the, uh, the thought process behind it. And when, I, when hearing it all back, it was like, un, it's, to me, it was undeniable that even though it was different, even though it was maybe not the record that people expected, it was something that was really, really special and, um, and couldn't be replicated by any other band, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think what, I mean, this is, this kind of thing is impossible to predict, obviously, but like, I, I think it had a, I think it had the opposite effect. I mean, yeah, some people, some of like maybe the hardcore guys that were into the old sound maybe hated it. But I think what it did is I think it brought you a whole bunch of new people. I know I remember showing a, a, one of my friends, was, uh, uh, he was our bass player and he was, you know, he was like more into hardcore stuff. And I was like, check this song mm -hmm. out. And I, I think it was teenagers. And I knew I was like, who is that? And he's like, I don't know. I'm like, that's my Kim dude. And he's like, Whoa. And he listened to that record. He's like, this is great. I think it actually like roped in people who were otherwise <laughs> maybe a little bit skeptical. Honestly, I, I, I believe that. Yeah. It's crazy, man. Like the reaction that we got from that record was, was unbelievable. I, I really didn't think people were going to get it the way that they did. And then it turned into a thing where globally it, it got very polarizing, you know, and, and you felt like you were really, um, affecting the world in, in, in a way, uh, and in a, in a positive way, you know, like creating dialogue about things, um, giving people confidence to be the people that they were. Um, and you just, you felt like things were changing and it was, it was, it was huge, man. It became, that record became bigger than the band, you know, than any one member, any, any people involved. It was just like, it was, I don't know. I even know how to, Describe it because, like, even being involved in it, it felt like it got away from us, you know. And it, and it and that's what you know. Ultimately, what you you would aspire to do is to to write something that you know takes flight and um, can can stand on its own two feet and 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 just you know become its its a living, breathing entity and 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 go out there and, and evolve and change and become you know, the ownership is relinquished from your it's not your songs anymore it just becomes everyone's and that's a, that's an incredible thing to be a part of that's uh that's amazing i can't i can't hardly imagine something like that that uh but i i get what you're saying about 
you know, art becoming more than just the artist's own, like, I've heard people say that, like, art doesn't truly become art until it's out in public. And I don't know, necessarily know that I fully agree with that, but I do understand the concept behind it because uh, it does become, you know, partially owned by the consumer in some way, at least emotionally. And I think that's what you're kind well, of describing there. Yeah. I th- well, here's the thing. It's not that it doesn't, it's not art until it's uh, re- released. What it is is that's the final stage. You know, okay. uh, I used to think that you, you write it and it's just for you and it, it could, it could sit there or it could be out in the world and, and, and it doesn't matter. Um, but then I, I started to realize that that final stage is when it becomes someone else's and then they are affected by it and what they make from it is that's like, that's so integral and so amazing. Like that, that's what art truly is, is the dialogue, you know, not just between you and 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 someone that's experienced it, but between that person that's experienced it and and the rest of the world, does that make sense? It oh, it totally does. I think it. I think yeah. it. Uh, it can. It, you know, even the even things that don't go like crazy huge successful. I do think that it has a capability to change. Uh, to change a person's life in some way or another, whether it's the yeah. consumer of the art or the artist. I do think that these pieces of things that everybody's working on and everyone's pouring their heart and soul into it, whether it's music or, or something else, I, I do think it, it has an outsized impact that is really hard to measure a lot of times. Absolutely. You know, it's that pebble in a pond thing where, you know, you, you think, you know, this, this pebble is, is, uh, is your voice and then it hits and those ripples go out and they can go, you know, forever basically then changes the whole landscape uh, of what you drop that pebble into, you know? Um, It's, it's an amazing thing. And, and and then seeing what other people, how they change and what they start to do because of what you've done, you know, it's that, that drug, basically that, that, that feeling that you get is unmatched and you continuously chase that. Like, to, to want to to do even more better things, po- more positive things, things that, you know, will we'll create a dialogue that will, um, you know, uh, eventually make it back to you somehow, you know? Um, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a cycle. Like, those things that, that go out there, reach people. It, the crazy thing to me is that there's new, there's a new crowd now that's finding out about uh, bands that I've been in, you know, and, and of course, you know, some of those bands aren't, aren't playing anymore, but they're like, they're just finding out about it now and it's affecting them in, in a way. And they're now they're going out and creating things. And that's huge. Like to see what has now come because of the things that I had a hand in. It's, it's unbelievable. That's a, you know, that could, yeah, I could totally see that. If, you know, thing work you've done in the past, inspiring others to maybe pick up an instrument or uh, buy a white Les Paul or something, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, it's, I mean, I'm not kidding, man. I'm not to throw it back to that. I, I mean, it years, years, like I was looking for a white Les Paul and it all comes back. <laughs> like there's other influences, obvious, obviously, but it all comes back to that. I was like, ah, I want one of those. And I remember telling my dad that and rules. my friends and everybody else, I got to get a white Les Paul. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, that's my tone. 
<laughs> to bring you know to bring it all back because supposedly this is a gear based yeah. podcast. I'm told. Uh, of course, it, of course, it doesn't generally stick that way, and that's totally fine. But um, one thing I do like to ask guys like you that have been in successful bands and have you know you know quote unquote made it as far as uh, as far as the general public's concerned. What do you do? You have any advice for young musicians or musicians just starting out that have the kind of the same aspirations? Oh man, um, yeah. I, here's the thing: I don't have the uh, the end all be all secret to you know to to making or to be heard or to you know get signed or or get on a show. Like you know, people ask that a lot. Like, how did you do it? Like, what can I do to like do this? And, and I don't have that. No one does. You know, it's different for everybody. Totally. And a lot of it's luck. Um, but a lot of it is also um, kind of playing from, is, is playing and writing from the heart. You know, like, if you're if you're full of shit and you're doing it for the wrong reasons, everyone can tell. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, it's, even if they can't tell right away, it it will be known, you know? So the best thing that you can do is to do it because you have to do it. Because it's never, it's very rarely is it going to love you back, and that, and you okay. have to be okay with that. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Like that's, this is a, interesting. a very hard relationship to be in. You give everything, um, you know, whether it be mental, emotional, uh, physical, uh, financially. Like it, ne- <laughs> very rarely does it ever give you back, and and you have to be f- totally fine with that. You have to be at that point where you're like. You know what? <laughs> Just to play a gig at the you know local bar and and to play these songs, I'd I'd still probably sell a kidney. <laughs> like if you're at that point, then you're in the club. You got bit. You're cool. You got to keep going. You know, and you have to do it because you have to do it, not because you feel like you're going to be the next big thing. Yeah, that's that's something I can relate to. I'm I you know I never I've I've said this a, a lot on on this podcast, but I've never, never started out in music with the intent, with the intent to go be in a band and, and do the touring thing and all that. However, like Mm -hmm. I definitely had songs that I needed to write and record and get out. And I'm like, I don't care if like two people listen to this, this is something that needs to come out of my, myself. And I, uh, I think a lot of people have that. And I, and I think not enough people actually kind of, uh, they think they have to go go big or go home. You can just like write songs and put them no. out there if you need to. And yeah, because it totally. is a need thing. For and a the lot world's of a us. better place because of it. I totally, totally feel that the world is a better place because you know you really felt so strongly that you had to record this song and put it out there. That mm-hmm. that's that to me is so valid. Like that's one of the most important things in the world. You know, we need more of that as opposed I, to oh, I think uh, you know me mumbling this one line over and over again is going to sell you know, a million copies. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> well, sometimes it does, but you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. It's neither here nor there, but we are, uh, we are getting down to kind of the, the last home stretch here uh, for the, for the okay. main episode. And I wanted to know if you had anything else you gotta, you know, you, anything else you just want to tell people. Like it doesn't have to be, uh, it it doesn't have to be, it can be anything, quite literally anything you might want to say to just, that you don't just get to say all the time. Oh my. I know I'm putting you on the spot. I know that's a, I know I feel like I'm on this. I feel like, oh no, this is a trap. 
<laughs> what, what, what am I going to say that I don't say all the time is going to get me in trouble? Jeez. Oh, oh it um, you don't have to get in trouble. I don't want anybody. We'll edit it out <laughs> no, if it's no, going to no. get you in trouble. That, that's how I get in trouble, though. <laughs> Not just, you know, I, I love doing um, things like this, like conversations about um, uh, musicality, um, you know, how you, how you get certain things, like... Um, uh, what interests you tonally. And I feel like that kind of stuff doesn't get talked about a lot, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And, and as far as I'm going to like, you know, me and my friends and the, and the dudes that like, you know, I'm in bands with, like, like we nerd out about that kind of shit because nobody else cares to ask, <laughs> you know, and we don't get to talk <laughs> about it enough. So um, this is just, it's so much fun for me to like, you know, you find those kindred spirits along the way of like, uh, like that, like I, you know, that geeks out about art or geeks out about gear or geeks out about, you know, comics or stuff like that. Like it's so much fun to do this kind of stuff. So thank you so much for reaching out and, and asking me to do this. Um, but, uh, I'm excited for, uh, people to get to hear, um, this new record that I'm doing. Um, because I feel like this time around too, um, I really feel like you get to hear me um, experiment and branch out uh, tonally. This is like the first record too that uh, – well, Stomach Aches, I, I did basically kind of by myself in, uh, in my basement. And, and so in a way I produced that record, but I didn't have all the things that I wanted at my disposal. You know, It was very much like you know, working within my boundaries uh, to record it. Things of that nature, but this was the first time that I got to to work with an engineer and and fully produce a record myself um, with you know a, basically a genius at the helm who could help me chase uh, whatever it is I wanted to chase. <clears throat> and so I'm really excited for that to kind of just live out in the world and uh, and to to feel like I can finally be like, yeah, man, I did that. You know, after all these years, like I, I'm still kind of surprising myself, and I like that a lot because the stuff that scares the hell out of me is the stuff that I want to do, and uh, and I think that's what this record's really about. That's awesome. I'm really excited to hear it. I think uh, I think that's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. I'm I'm just really excited about it. So thanks for coming on and hanging out and talking about it. And you're you're obviously welcome back anytime, whenever. So <laughs> anytime you free up storage on your computer. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Anytime you have a couple gigs to spare, come back on. Right, yeah. We can. I could. I could nerd out for hours with you. So thank you very oh, much for for doing this. This great, has been man. awesome. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I'll and I'll uh, I'll get on the label, sending you uh, a copy of the record. Uh, hopefully sooner than later. All oh, right. Well, thank you so much. I that's amazing. I appreciate Absolutely. that. Yeah. I do have one last question for you though for this uh, for the main part of this episode, and this is this is the heavy heavy like. Uh -oh. Big stuff. Okay. So I hope you're comfortable. But the yes, uh, the go. question is, what kind of pizza do you like? Oh, all right. I um I am I am lactose intolerant, so I I like vegan uh, cheese pizza. Mm -hmm. Um, but also uh, one of my favorite toppings is black olives, and I know a lot of people that's a very uh divisive uh, topping, but mm -hmm. I really like black olives. I also like like um, any kind of like like a vegany sausage type thing. Like one of my favorite pizzas is the uh, the Daya um, meatless meat lover supreme. 
okay. I like that a lot. Meatless Supreme. <laughs> um, all right. All right. Yeah. But this is very important. Uh, when that is done, the toppings that go on top, right? Uh, you know, like that that aren't supplied in the box, right? Right. Um, has to be black pepper, red pepper flakes, um, garlic, and dill. Dill. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting move. I know. I'm telling you. I think I could get on I can get on board with that that spice combo. I, I see how you that gotta could try work. it. It's 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 pretty and one day I was having pizza and I was like, this would be amazing if I can incorporate pickles somehow. <laughs> yes. And I found that if you just use a little bit of dried dill, but I like to do it like before I make the pizza because then it like kind of rehydrates a little bit and you get mm-hmm. that flavor in there. But it's it's huge. Very, very imperative to have some dill at your disposal when making the pizzas. I would love for this to be like a New York style pizza where they just made it for me. But uh, unfortunately, not everywhere carries like the vegan toppings and cheeses that I require. So I'm left to go with the uh, the frozen stuff a lot of times. But that allows me to put on my own spices. Gotcha. <laughs> I gotcha. I can I could get on board with that. I'm I the dill I could see that being a little controversial, but uh I I'm I'm down with it. My my next question Tell on me. the same vein is what what do you like for the crust thickness? You like a thinner crust or how how do you do go about that? <clears throat> I'm New York style. I I like like a, a thinner crunch. You know. I'm with you on that. that. That's I grew up there and and that's 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 the way to go. I, I understand why people like a like a deep dish type thing. Just not my deal. Not my deal. Yeah, that I, I don't feel you. like that's pizza. That's more like a a weird tomato pie of sorts. Yeah, like a casserole, almost. Yeah, yeah. It's like a like a shepherd's <laughs> a shepherd's pie. Or so I don't know. I don't know <laughs> like it's you know it's too it runs that weird runs that fine line of like pastry ish. Yeah, it's too much. It's just too much. I, I like I feel like and I haven't been to Chicago to like try to experience it. And I I'm, I'm holding my reservations until I do or my holding mm-hmm. my judgment until I do rather. And uh, I, I, I look at it and I go, that looks tasty, but it doesn't look like what I want when I want pizza. That looks like something else. No. Yeah. It, it, I understand. I get it. It just it seems like too much work. Like the, you know what I mean? You can't ha- you can't eat six slices of that. <laughs> you just no. can't. It's impossible. No. You'll no. die. That's like oh oh yeah oh I'm a little full after this quarter of a slice. <laughs> so like, I don't want that. Nobody no. wants that. <laughs> Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. Yeah, yeah. You're not getting wasted in the city at 3 a.m. than going for like six slices of deep dish pizza. <laughs> you, there, that's a problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? That sounds like, like a recipe for no disaster. Way. Yeah. Well, man, yeah, just uh, thanks again for coming back on or coming on. This was a, a lot of fun and you're definitely welcome back anytime. So, you know, such a pleasure, thank man. Thank you so much. Yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, this is this is a blast, man. And I would love to do it again. Seriously. We'll we'll put it on the books. We'll make it happen. Maybe after the after right. the tour or the record or something. Very cool. Yeah, I hopefully I'll be out your way uh, probably this summer or something like that. Oh, that'd be rad. That'd be super rad. I can show you the spots. Yeah. Dope. All right. I'm in. All right. Cool. (laughs) All right, everybody. For Frank, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones.
man, I had such a great time there. I don't know. I don't know if you could tell, but I was really, really having a blast talking with Frank and make sure you guys uh, check out the new record he's got coming out or it's out. Technically, it's out. Yes. Yes, it's out. At least it's out for pre-order now. That's right. That's the deal. It's out for pre-order right now, and it's called Barriers. It's by Frank Iero and The Future Violence. Album's called Barriers, so make sure you guys check it out. I think I think we're all going to really get a treat out of that one. That'll be, that'll be really fun. So, yeah, let's see. Other than that, don't forget to, you know, check us out. Like, if you enjoyed this episode, we got more coming. If you want to know, like, a little more about, you know, how your favorite artists interact with their gear, what kind of gear they use, how they think about things, or just they want you want to hear them on the show. You know, maybe you got to send them my way. I hit people up all the time. Sometimes we don't get response. Sometimes we do. If there's somebody you'd really like to get on the show, you know, the best way to do that is to tell them you'd like to hear, hear them on the show. So that's, that's always a good thing. If you want to get a hold of me, email me at info at tonemob.com or hit me up on any of the socials. I'm easy to get a hold of. So no, I, I don't I don't necessarily respond immediately, but I definitely try to respond to everybody. So hit me up whenever you can. And uh, yeah, I'll do my best to help. Other than that, you know, if you could hit us up on iTunes, it's been a little while since I asked for reviews. But if we could get some new reviews, that always helps. That helps boost us up. That helps more people find the show. That helps us keep doing what we're doing. Tell your friends, tell your families, tell whoever you think might be interested in these these conversations you know, that would be, that would be awesome. And again, thank you so much. I know there's a million things you could be listening to right now and you chose this and you chose to listen this far, which is insane. So thank you. Thank you very much. And yeah, last, but last, but not least, right, right. That's the thing I'm supposed to say. Last, but not least we have Patreon. So if you want more of these kind of conversations, if you want to hear more content, you want to hear more blabbing about guitars and music and aliens and stuff, then you can go to Patreon for as little as $5 a month. You're going to get an extra episode. Extra? Extra? The My voice is not working. Why do I do these late at night? I don't know. Anyways, for $5 a month, you get extra episodes every week coming straight at you, and you can download them, you can listen to them, you can enjoy them at your leisure. It's just more of this, which who wouldn't want more of this? I can't imagine. But seriously, that's where to go for all that. And there's some other tiers with other various levels that that kind of uh, they will make a lot more sense. You go to patreon.com slash tone mob. You'll see all the details. And yeah, just keep on keeping on. Thank you guys very much for tuning in. And hopefully I'll talk to you next week. Bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com Stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help 
everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstory as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.